we come now uh, to the preaching of the word. And uh, so if you would turn with me in your Bibles to Colossians chapter 1, we're going to be wrapping up our Advent series in Colossians chapter 1. This morning, uh, I'm going to take an opportunity, since my remarks are short, um, to actually read the entire chapter. We so oft, uh, so rarely get to read large chunks of the scripture uh, from the pulpit because it's just so long. Um, so um, please pay attention to the overall flow of the chapter, which leads us to our passage this morning, which starts in verse 24 and going to the end of the chapter. Please pay attention as uh, it will set up sort of all that we need to talk about this morning. <clears throat> so, Colossians chapter 1. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the saints and faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae, grace to you and peace from God our Father. We always thank God the Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints, because of the hope laid up for you in heaven, of this you have heard before in the word of truth, the gospel which has come to you, as indeed in the whole world it is bearing fruit and increasing, as it, does, as it also does among you since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God and truth, just as you learned, from, learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant. <clears throat> he is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf and has made known to us your love in the Spirit. And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power, according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered you from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together, and he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. And you, who were once alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. If indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven and of which I, Paul, became a minister. 
Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake, and in my flesh I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, that is the church, of which I became a minister according to the stewardship of, from God that was given to me for you to make the word of God fully known. The mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints, to them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil, struggling with all his energy, that he powerfully works within me. Let's pray. Father, as we come to your word, we ask that you would bless it to us, that you would open it, that we might see you, that we might understand uh, the greatness of what we have in you. Lord, help us see how you live and dwell within us, how we are able to embody you to a watching world, a world that desperately needs to see you. So Lord, be with us now, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. So there are a lot of reasons to celebrate Christmas, but probably the central component to our celebration is the fact that Jesus and God are finally with us. That's the first blank in the sermon outline, if you have it. Um, it's also in your bulletin. It is Christ with us. Remember, we used to walk in the garden with the Lord uh, in intimacy and openness. But with the advent of sin and the fall, we have now been alienated from God for a very, very, very long time. But Christmas says not anymore. Now Jesus is with us. He is one of us. He walks with us and talks with us. Jesus is Emmanuel. But one of the biggest issues that folks nowadays and back then have is that they have never seen Jesus for themselves. They have never met Jesus. He's just a distant historical figure or just some dude in another part of the world that is not with us. And so he can be dismissed to the obscure facts of history that don't impact our present or to things happening over there but not over here. You know, it's over there, it doesn't matter over here. And yet we have heard from Paul in chapter 1 of Colossians and over the past few weeks in our series that Jesus is absolutely everything. That we can't just dismiss him to obscurity, to history, to something that happened over there and not over here. After all, he gives, us our, he gives our lives meaning purpose and hope. He helps us in our present as we walk through the domain of darkness and wait for his glorious return. He is the image of the invisible God and everything is in his hand. Jesus is in control and through him all things are reconciled and made right. Jesus transforms us and perseveres us. He is our ever-present help in time of need. Jesus has suffered and died and been raised from the dead for our salvation. And so Jesus is our everything. And so that's, there's a big issue, 
right? Folks need Jesus, but they have never met him and they will never have the chance to witness all that he has done for, for them directly. And so one of the chief ways that the gospel was spread early on, people simply witnessing Jesus's life and works for themselves, that's no longer an option. And so thus, Paul discerned that there was something lacking. And that something is a ministry of presence, which is ironically the very thing that we're celebrating at Christmas. The incarnation, Christ with us, is missing for so many people in this world because they can't see him or be with him physically. How many doubts have bubbled up in your minds simply because you've never seen Jesus with your own eyes? How many times have you wished that the Lord would just poof and appear, right? So that all your doubts, like Thomas's, would be put to rest, be able to touch him, to hold him, to embrace him, to see the proof of his love for me in his hands and his feet and in his side and on his brow, to hear his voice saying, I love you, I have you. What a joy that would be. And yet it's one that I know that I will probably be waiting for until he either returns or I go to be with him. But Jesus didn't come just to leave us alone when he ascended into heaven. He didn't come that first Christmas only to leave us 33 years later and say, see you later, good luck. He didn't come to be with us only to leave us again in isolation and separation after the work of redemption was done. No, he left so that he could send the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, his spirit, so that we may say that Christ lives within us. That's the second blank in the sermon outline, Christ in us. And that's the mystery that Paul is to make known that has been hidden for ages and generations that is now revealed in his saints, that Jesus lives within us. And so let us take a moment to think about that reality, that mystery, that glory. The God of the universe, the holy, righteous, and pure, one true God, that God is united to sinners like us. That's wild. How can righteousness and unrighteousness be united? It is through the very blood of our Lord Jesus, but it's more than that. It's not just that we're united to him, but that God suffered so that we might be united. God loves sinners so much that he sent his son to live and suffer among us, to be one of us, to fulfill the law that we ought to have obeyed. And so God came down to do what we shouldn't have done. But that wasn't his responsibility or his job. He didn't have to do that. And really, he shouldn't have. He should have just crushed us, destroyed us, given us wrath. That would have been just but yet he doesn't do that. He didn't have to make any of those promises of salvation to us. He didn't even have to spare his wrath against Adam and Eve in the garden, and yet he did. What an amazing mercy and grace and love that we see just through the whole span of the Bible. And this is how Jesus is far more than we can hope or imagine. 
because he loved us while we were yet sinners. And he didn't just love us. He didn't just sort of say, oh, I love you, but I'm not really going to do anything for you. It's not words. It's not lip service. He actually loves us all the way to the very end. He paid for us. He suffered for us. He put up with us being dense and blind in our sin. He endured injustice after injustice, sin after sin for years. We often forget that Jesus spent 33 years on this earth. We often think that his suffering began on the cross or in the lead up to the cross. But think about what it must have been like for the perfect righteous one to be among sinners for 33 years. We can see his exasperation from time to time with the disciples. But what it must have been how heartbreaking it must have been to witness in the ones that he loved the most, the sin in their hearts. He endured all of that just so that he might die for us and love us completely. That reality, that Jesus is really and truly with us in our union with him is really, truly Paul's point. Which brings us to the third point, Christ through us. You see, as Paul ministers to the church and to the Gentiles as a missionary, he gets to bring Jesus to people who have never seen Jesus by embodying Jesus to them. Paul's sufferings are Jesus' sufferings in their union. As Paul suffers, people watch and see Jesus' suffering. They get a physical, tangible picture of Jesus' love for them as they watch Paul suffer for them, give grace, and love them as Christ would. And so what's the call to us this morning? Well, it's unsurprisingly to be like Jesus, to embody Jesus to a world that desperately needs him. But there's a depth to this call. Because as we live like Jesus and relate to people as he would, it's more than just being like him. It's more than just trying to be like our role model. It is really and truly a participation in his suffering and work. As we fill up what is lacking in his sufferings by being the physical presence in this world through our union with Christ, we get a deeper understanding of his love for us. Do you want to know who Jesus is more? Live like him, and you will see what it is like to love you as we love him, as we live like him, as we meet him, know him, and experience him in new ways, just by embodying him to each other, we will get a deeper understanding of his love for us. And this understanding, this growth in grace and sanctification isn't just for you. It's for everyone. And it is by your faithful walk that you mature and grow others around you. And we know this sort of intuitively, if you look back on your life, the times that you grew the most often were probably the times in which you had good, godly people to show you Jesus and to point you to him. I said earlier that Jesus is our everything, and that's true, because we need what we need are more and more glimpses of Jesus from godly people around us. And as we grow, we get to do the same for others. And really, things come back to Christmas. 
We are called to be Jesus' hands and feet in this time, but really, that's just a way of saying that we are to be little images of Christ incarnate through our union with him. We are called to bring Christmas to those around us. Him we proclaim through our words, our lives, our very being. Jesus is here with us, not in some far-off land long ago. He is here now, 24-7, 365. And so all you have to do is look at a brother or sister in Christ and hopefully you will see Jesus. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for the glimpses that we see of you in each other. But Lord, we yearn for that day in which we will walk not by faith, but by sight. That you would come quickly that we might see you with our very own eyes. Lord, we yearn for that day, but until then we ask that you would give us eyes to see Christ in each other. More than that, we ask that you would build us up by enabling us to live as becomes a follower of you, that we might become like you, that we might show you to a world that so desperately needs you brothers and sisters that so desperately need you. So Lord, help us be a people that turn to you for all that we have, for all that we need, that we might see you this day, the days to come, and the year to come as well. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.